Hello and welcome to the Red Nets podcast. It's been a thrilling week, has to be said. 3-2 win against Atletico Madrid. A bit of a goal thriller. Afraid Steve Carson won't be joining us today, unfortunately. He will be back next week where we'll be reviewing our, hopefully, victory against Manchester United at Old Trafford. But we've got Rick Elliott, as usual, and of course myself, Farrell Keeling. Rick, I mean, what did you make of that game? I mean, it, it was an absolute thriller, wasn't it? I mean, we started brilliantly. It was an exceptional opening 20 minutes, and it all kind of fell apart within that same half. I mean, what I happened? Mean, it was a it was a crazy, crazy game. Um, I may get some stick for this, but I don't think we deserve to get anything from it. Like, it was... It wasn't a vintage Liverpool performance. I mean, Klopp uh, kind of said in his, his post-match press conference that it was a it was a dirty win, some dirty points, and you know I, I completely agree with that statement. Um, I mean, like L- L- Mo's first goal for a start is very lucky with the deflection. Uh, I don't think there's enough pace on the ball for it to have really sort of tricked. O'Black uh, had it of you know not been deflected. I think he would have gotten to it quite easily. Um, and then Kaita's goal. I mean, it was a, a phenomenal goal. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the way that he, like the height that he got on it with his foot was just like, how? How does the human body physically stretch that, that much? Um, but at the same time, I mean, 99.999 recurring percent of the time, if you try that shot in a match scenario, it's not going in the back of the net. It's going wider. It's going, it's going above, you know, it's, I mean, in a training ground where you've got no pressure on you really. Yeah. It's, they, it will probably go in the back of the net, you know, maybe 50% of the time or whatever, but when you've got, Defenders bearing down on you. You've got the crowd and all that sort of pressure to be pulling something off like that. I mean, I think he's very fortunate. Uh, so, you know, that sort of first spell where we kind of dominated, I mean, like in this alternative timeline that I've got in my head, really, like, it's like Liverpool are still putting on the pressure, but like the, the, and the, the crowd are still in full force, which they weren't by the, by the time we put the second one in the back of the net. Um. And then, you know, Atletico get the, the two goals and it's just, it's all uphill from there because uh, you'd then have like the crowd going against you and it's, you know, and you're 2-0 down at that point. And, I mean, to go back to, to the to the Griezmann goals, uh, I mean, the first one, uh, I think we were saying before we, we hit record, it shouldn't have stood. Um, it was just like, uh, it, they were very fortunate for it to have... Uh, for it to have stood um but i mean the amount of space that he had in the box i mean like he could have built a two two bed detached house in there with a garden to spare like he was just had who was marking him there was no one marking him um so yeah i mean obviously griezmann wasn't like it was it was a bit of a tap on deflection but i mean he shouldn't have had that much space in the first place uh and the second goal i mean it was a you know it's a top tier finish from a you know a top tier forward and, and we we kind of forget that because you know he went off to 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 Barca and uh you know he, and he he just sort of went on holiday for a bit i guess um but i mean like, what what do you what did you make of the i mean the the, 
those that that first half and the you know the goals and everything. I mean, it was an absolute dreamland in that opening twenty minutes. I went into this game thinking, you know, off the back of historically, if you look at the games we've had against them under Klopp, you know, it, it has been a battle, and certainly this game was no exception to the rule. But you know, to be two 0 up at the Wanda Metropolitano, uh, Metropolitano, forgive That's me. That's it. There you <laughs> we get there in the end. To be two 0 up in Madrid, it is. It's not easy. You know, I think no. um, there's a. I don't think I'm trying to think the last time they actually lost at home. I think it's 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 a ridiculous statistic, isn't it? They, they've yeah. got a, a mad unbeaten uh, run at home, and understandably, um, given the quality of the side and obviously the manager. Yeah, it, it's I mean the fans just, as well. I mean, there's that many that can pack into that stadium. Absolutely, the, the, the it, noise, yeah. the wall of noise is just. You, you could just see him keep going to the crowd, going to the crowd, raising his arms, getting that reaction. I mean, it's like Klopp's relationship with the fans at Anfield he has you know, that putty in Simeone's hands mm. you know they love him Simeone know, knows what he's working with there you know and it's it was absolute cauldron at times you know to come away with that and have a three you know the three two win uh, it might have been more you, you know if, if we look at to the first goal Lamar sort of uh putting off Matip to make that sort of interception um you know ha- having sort of a stronger sort of defensive midfielder on in in Fabinho like you might have argued it had been an even sort of more significant lead. <laughs> but, I mean, to come away with that result is absolutely superb, I think. I think I'd, I'd... it wasn't an emphatic victory, obviously. I think, you know, certainly off that first half performance, if Atletico had been any more ruthless, we might have been down by three or four um, at the break, at which point then, you know, it, it's a lot, a far harder task to, to then get to back to a stage where you're getting a point out of the game. I, I want to focus on Kaito and specifically, I, I don't know if you've got a chance to catch um, uh, Didi Haman's sort of post-match comments for RTE Sport, but he absolutely ripped into Liverpool and specifically uh, Nabi Kaito, who was pulled off the pitch at half-time, replaced for Fabinho um, as we look to get some midfield control. Uh, and he sort of basically said he was not fit to be a Liverpool player. Um, I mean, I don't know... I. I, I, I mean, I'd agree that he was at fault to an extent for the goals we conceded in that first half, but I do think that's quite harsh. It's sort of very reactive to that specific game, isn't it? It's very knee-jerky sort of Twitter reaction from Diddy there. But I mean, like, I don't think I am being too reactionary to say that Naby Keita hasn't really uh, set the world on fire for Liverpool. He probably should have done a lot more for the price tag that we paid. That being said, I don't see the the issue with him as a Liverpool player. Like you know, he's, he he maybe yeah he need he, he could be contributing a hell of a lot more. But he's he is that sort of luxury player that sort of does well against the weaker opposition. Um, but like just because he's not necessarily pulling in a shift week in week out sometimes that's due to the injuries that he's getting sometimes that's just you know down to like you know players playing around him essentially um i don't think he's necessarily not good enough for, for the club but i just you could get a certain you certainly can get a lot more out of him no absolutely absolutely i think i mean you've hit the nail on the head with him sort of being that sort of luxury player you know you, you can rely on him you know, to to a greater extent against sort of weaker 
opposition. And I think that's sort of, I mean, ideally when we bought him, as you pointed out, for that money, you'd expect him to be a starter in that midfield. You'd expect him to be making a difference regardless of the game against, you know, whether it's Crystal Palace or Atletico Madrid. And I mean, obviously he came on and it was, it was a dream, dream start for Liverpool. And he played a significant part of that with that wonderful volley, but then quickly turned into a nightmare then, you know, 20 minutes down the line and they'd equalised. Uh, and obviously, Klopp made the right choice, bringing him off and sort of going for the steadier option in Fabinho. But I think it's 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 I mean it's too soon just to say he's he's not a Liverpool he's not a Liverpool player because he has contributed. Um, yeah, I, I mean I I don't know why he didn't go with Fabinho in the first place, like Klopp. I mean like it just. <sighs> I mean, I know that obviously there's the uh, the travel that he's had to go through and all that kind of stuff, like the sports science point, like, you know, the staff will have probably have said he's probably only got one half in him. Um, but if the, if it was a case of, look, we can play him for the full match, but then he probably, you know, he probably will be worn out, not exactly there for the last 20 minutes. Uh, and you might need to rest him at the weekend. I would have done that. I mean, like, you know, I mean, yes, it is Manchester United who will play another weekend. And, you know, we, we've got uh, a guest on later on to discuss that. But like, uh, and something that we will, we, we, you know, spoiler it for later on in the podcast, but it, a form goes out the window in those kind of matches anyway. So, I mean, like, uh, you just, you, you're better off just sort of trying to firm up on a match that actually does mean quite a bit in terms of this is probably the toughest team in the Champions League group that we've got to face away. You know, this is probably one of the hardest matches. Stick Fabinho on for the longest period of time that you can do. Like, start start the guy, leave him on the pitch as for as long as possible, rather than, you know, having a makeshift sort of navigator in. Firm up that midfield as much as possible because at the weekend, because at the weekend, anything could happen. And so you might as well just go, well, just let's just roll the dice. Let's just see, see how it goes. I mean, I know that's a bit wrong because it's Manchester United of all teams, but still it's like the, the Man United match in the grand scheme of things means a lot less than Champions League group game. So I, 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 if, if it were me in charge, I would have put my eggs in that basket. But, you know, there's a reason why I'm here and Klopp's the manager. So... I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you say that, but I'm entirely with you on this one. Um, I, I, I would have, I was very surprised to not see Fabinho. I think I almost thought, oh, is he, he must be thinking ahead to United because he's had, I'd, I'd say, enough of a rest to have to have qualified for a starting spot in that first eleven for Atletico, having missed uh, that prior league game due to uh, some horrific uh, fixture scheduling. Um, so again, I, I was, I was a little surprised to see Kaita. I mean, he kind of shut me up in that opening twenty minutes, and then. Another 20 minutes past, I was kind of like, oh, no, actually, you know what? Probably could have done with Fabinho in that sort of starting 11 from the off. But it is what it is. We came away with a 3-2 win. And now we return to domestic action. And it's uh, quite a big game, obviously, at the weekend against Manchester United. Um, as Rick's already pointed to, we had a special guest on board uh, for this edition of the Red Nets podcast. Dale O'Donnell from Stressing News, uh, talking all things Manchester United, the Glazers, Newcastle United's takeover and much, much more. Let's have a little listen. Dale, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been a few years now where I've been 
back and forth with Empire of the Cop and it's di- different writers, different readers. Um, always looking forward to it. No, it's been, it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? I think um, no more so than certainly Manchester United season. I think you've, you've, you've got some interesting home and away form. Um, but no more interesting than, of course, that your 3-2 comeback against Atalanta, which I was certainly hoping to get your sort of viewpoint on. And with looking ahead to the Liverpool game on Sunday, I mean, off the back of that, are you feeling a bit more sort of confident about how you can fare against Liverpool or has that sort of raised more problems? This is a big week for Manchester United. It's a big week for, for the league on the social as well. I think the Atalanta win lifts pressure off the, the fashion in which they did it. I think throughout the game they were criticised, but in the first half they didn't play too poorly. They created loads of chances. They just couldn't put it away. And in the second half, they pretty much continued to play that way um, and eventually got the win. But it, Liverpool, it, it's just a different kettle of fish right now. Um, I don't really know how we're going to approach the game because... The, the biggest talking point for us this season before the Leicester game was we haven't really played anyone. We haven't really played the top six, yet we've still have been struggling. And you look across the table, you look at the different teams, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, they've had some bigger games and it gives you a kind of a finer picture of what to expect from this season. Going into this game, we're up against it. But sometimes that suits us and it suits Solskjaer sometimes if he needs a big result. We've seen it before in the past that he can pull it out of the bag. Obviously, obviously, the big talking point this season is the fact that you've got Ronaldo back. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, do you think having him back has been so far been a net positive or a, or a net loss for United in terms of you know the style of play and the, the pathway for getting like the starting eleven and uh, or the youth players into the starting eleven? So far, it's just been like it, as an outsider looking in, it seems as though uh, he's he's sort of definitely changed the way that you play um I, I mean obviously as as a Liverpool fan I'd say like for the worst um but like yeah do, do you do you think it's just a case of like there's some initial teething issues there or you know okay. is it something that will click eventually no you, t- you touch on something there about teething problems I think what we're seeing is we're still seeing teething problems that existed before Ronaldo's arrival um, and what I'm what I'm pointing to is a, a big issue in this team is the midfield. And I look at some of the best teams in, in England in previous years that won Premier League titles. You've got Kante, you've got Fabinho, you've got Fernandinho. Um, these players that can hold and they're pretty much the spine of the team. Manchester United haven't got that. And I think when they introduced Ronaldo, it was like, we're going to create this other problem that most good teams can cope with. But we haven't yet become that good team that is, is functional. You know, we've too we've too many holes. Now I'm not saying that Ronaldo was a bad signing by any means. I think the players that we got in, in in the summer were were massive improvements in what we've had. And it still maybe seems like teething problems this term because we haven't set on a style of play. Um we've arguably gone backwards from last season when we could we could rely on um Rashford to hit teams on the counter attack. Now he has been injured. And he's two goals in as many games since he's returned. So I think hopefully the dead leg doesn't rule him out of the game at the weekend. But he is our best shot going up against Liverpool because he makes things happen. He's rapid in, in attack. And we've been really missing that because it's been quite slow and, and pedestrian. Uh, speaking also about things that can sort of hurt Liverpool, 
at the weekend. I mean, I was just hoping to get your point of view about what you see as sort of being the chink in Liverpool's armour, if there is one, and where you expect uh, Solskjaer to um, sort of plan his, his his attack around. Well, you see, it, it, it comes from watching um, United Liverpool games before live, and one, one of the games I'd focus on is the when Mourinho was in charge at Old Trafford and Rashford had a really good day against Trent. And I think going into that game, Liverpool would have been on top and we would have been you know, expected to put in as underdogs. Mohamed Salah was flying it, but Ashley Young was able to keep him quiet. And what I'm saying is this fixture, and most of the listeners can agree with me on this, it, form kind of goes out the window when it's this game. I don't know why it is. Players get butterflies in their bellies, maybe. And it's a massive, massive game. So it, it's a very, very difficult one on paper. And you're looking at this season, like we haven't got a chance but that's not what's going to happen at the weekend we all know that like he fancy yourself as favourites but at the end of the day before kickoff part of the year we're going to be thinking this is Man United just like it was when we were dominating and winning league titles when we played Liverpool against bad Liverpool teams but it was it was still Liverpool it, it was still a big game so I don't really see any ways like tactically that we can outdo you at the weekend I'm sure there's something but this Liverpool team it, it presses, it puts you into it's awkward positions. And I, I just look at the lack of midfield, the lack of protection there for defence, and it's a recipe for disaster, really. But look, I'm a United fan, I'm always optimistic. Um, I always back the manager, and I'm just hoping for the best the weekend because he really needs a big result. I think you, you've rightly alluded to sort of, well, I mean, form going out of the window in, the, in a game of this magnitude and both sides, to an extent, obviously rising to the occasion. Um, I mean, but c- can you see that from certain individual players? And I- I'm going to name or put one here with Harry Maguire because his his recent form has sort of come under question following his return from injury. Um, I think he dropped a couple of clangers against Leicester City, and I think his pos- positioning sort of came under fire against Atalanta. Is this a player you sort of see right into the occasion against Liverpool, or or could there be some you know issues there? He's a he's a player that I was very critical of last season before Varane came in and. I think he had a good Euros, but he's been back to back to being a shoddy defender again for United this season, I have to say. Um, he's a player that I will be worried about going into the game because he never seems too far off a mistake. Don't get me wrong, there's there's times where Harry Maguire looks a terrific defender. And he sometimes he might look like one of the best defenders in the league. But but when you when you throw the best defenders up in the league and you look at how many mistakes they make. Um, Maguire makes quite a bit and, and that is a problem like, it's a shame that Ferran doesn't look fit for this one because you look at Liverpool's attacking players and you just look on paper at what United have to deal with that um, we're on the back foot straight away with that you know I, I don't think Harry Maguire was, was ever an 80 million rated centre back I think he's far from it um, and you look then you go sign Ferran for 60 or whatever it was it just doesn't really make any sense yeah, no, I just wanted to sort of go back to... I mean, you made comments about sort of how United haven't really got a Fabinho, haven't got a Kante, you know. Yeah. Famously, Liverpool beat out United to Fabinho. I mean, what do you see as being sort of the the barriers to you getting... Because, I mean, you've got, as you brightly pointed out, you've got a, a world-class signing in Rafa Varane. You brought Cristiano Ronaldo back to United. You brought in Jadon Sancho. All three, you know, you'd argue on their day are world-class talents. So... Where are you going wrong in terms of bringing in the players that, that you may be missing that, that that may sort of take this United side from being 
good if inconsistent to brilliant and world beating you know is it down to the manager or is it sort of a, a recruitment issue yeah you've got to look at what we need and what we've needed in the past few years and then shape up the where we've improved and how we're lacking and I, I, I still think that with better coaching, this team would probably be doing a bit better. Now, that's not to say that I don't think Solskjaer's done a good job. I, I, I went into this season and the question was, what, can he do a great job? Um, and I, it, those, answers, those questions are still left to be answered. Um, you look at the, the mistakes we're making in games and conceding goals from set pieces. Apparently, we hired a new set piece coach going into this season and it certainly doesn't look like it. So... Look, it comes it comes from the coaching. You you can't add players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho, and Rafael Varane to a squad and then suddenly look like performance wise you've gone backwards. That yeah, well then questions are going to be asked about the coaches because I think what you're alluding to is why should the club, um, which will be a question if results don't pick up, is why should the club go and trust him with that last piece of the jigsaw that we're all claiming if if, if the coaching still seems miles off. And look, this, this is early, still early days in the season. We've seen Solskjaer with this United team go on runs where they look really good. Now, I think the difference this season with the summer additions is if we do go on one of those runs, that we will be a lot stronger. We'll be able to deal with the pressure of getting to, say, Europa League final. Hopefully it's not Europa League this season, but um, we'll be able to deal with those pressures because Cristiano Ronaldo is a winner. Um, give Cavani there as well, people forget about him. Give Marcus Rashford, who really must be, you know, desperate to win trophies at Manchester United. He's been there now a while in the first team, and on the cusp of great things, but we're still we still haven't done it yet. Um, I mean, I, I was chatting to one of my friends last night, um, and he was he was basically saying that the uh, like it was you know before the, the comeback, he's saying oh if this continues, you know I think the weekend could be where you know we could potentially give Ollie the sack here. Um, I mean, like, I obviously the, the comeback happened and so that sort of went away. But, I mean, how much time do you think Ollie really has to sort of shapen things up? Because it doesn't seem like, even though he's just signed a new contract recently, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of time left on the clock. You see, the big, the big thing here is, and it's hard to ignore social media, is what you see at Old Trafford on match day and what you see on social media is completely different. Um, the club itself, the board are, are, are backing the manager and they, they want them to override this storm. The fans at Old Trafford are still singing his name. Made a point of that after the game last night by staying behind for 15 minutes doing so. And I think you jump on social media then and you've got a lot of people who, who haven't ever been to, to a football match. Um, and they have these opinions that they believe are, are worth their salt. Everyone has opinions, like everyone has an arsehole. Um, let's celebrate it. But like these people feel that they have to tweet this about the manager. We have to slag off the manager. And my problem is disrespect. Sorry, there. My problem here is the disrespect that is shown against them. If there is a time that comes that he has to be moved on and we get a different manager, that will happen. But a fan's, a fan's job is to get behind the team. And there's a few people on social media wishing United lose at the weekend against Liverpool of all teams just to fit their own agenda. And these people on social media might try and rack up their, their followers' account. And I'm sure Liverpool have them too. Because while 
Liverpool seem to have one of the best managers in the world right now and have won the, the first Premier League in 30 years and the Champions League beforehand. I have no doubt that you guys see some tweets from Liverpool fans saying that Jorgen Klopp hasn't got a clue. You know, I, I've seen it when Alex Ferguson was managing Manchester United a few a few weeks before the 2008 um, Champions League final against Chelsea. There was a piece in one of the fanzines of a fan saying that Ferguson didn't know where he was taking this team, that he, he was clueless. They went on, they won the double that season. Football fans are always going to be critical. And Manchester United right now are standing behind the manager. And I think there's something admirable about that, but there, it, it, it will run out soon. Um, if results don't pick up, because once Champions League looks a looks a, looks a bit of a jump, they, they they won't stick with them because it'll come down to money with the Glazers, um, and that's all they see. But the fans, from my perspective, um, we wish Solskjaer well. I mean, this, this is a side point, sort of take us briefly away uh, from the upcoming game on Sunday. But I mean, looking at this sort of Liverpool side and sort of thinking sort of back obviously to the day when sort of the roles were effectively reversed, you know, as you pointed to uh, under Ferguson, you know, you were the dominant side. We weren't, you know, we came, we had a number of close calls with the title, but ultimately it was United's game. I mean, having witnessed all that, I mean, what do you make of this Liverpool side? Um, like, and all this achieved, you know, how, how does it sort of stack up for you? Without getting into make comparisons, because we could be here all day. Um, I, I think the Liverpool side look it's, it's well drilled. The, the the work that Klopp has done has just been unbelievable. Um, and you can see when you speak to Liverpool fans. I know I interviewed you for Strategy News and speaking to any Liverpool fan about Klopp, you just get this. They have this affection for him. Um, and the work he's done, it's very similar to if you listen to Liverpool players that have played under him and there's this kind of connection. I think that's the scariest part about this, what he's built at Liverpool. Um, Ferguson had this kind of thing where when people talk about Manchester United, they would think about certain things, but the way we play attack and football, um, mind games and so on. But Klopp has this kind of thing where he's made Liverpool and the team itself quite family-based. Um, and and you see last season where things didn't go your way, you had injuries, and people actually wrote, wrote you off this year, but you've been stronger than ever, I'd argue, and Salah's been in form. So the work he's done is, has, has, been, has been really, really impressive. Um, I'm looking, I am looking forward to seeing Liverpool without Jorgen Klopp. Um, I must add that in. But, but yeah, look, he's done a tremendous job. Um, and this, this Premier League is such a difficult one because... I think Ali's done well. I think looking at the start of the season, I thought we would be contenders. But the biggest problem is you've so many quality teams going for that Premier League title. You've so many quality teams going for the Champions League that there's actually not enough trophies to go around. And it could be the case this season. The Liverpool look great. City look great. Chelsea look great. But one of them, or maybe two of them, might end the season without a single trophy to show for it. You know, we're all, we're all, everyone's kind of getting giddy about United at the moment and how bad we're doing. But if we beat Liverpool at the weekend, I fancy us to go on a bit of a run then for with Solskjaer. So hopefully, fingers crossed. So there's going to be a lot of um, twists and turns in this campaign. Um, and right now, Manchester United are sadly the laughing stock. I mean, you, you say you could push on that. Like, what, what do you think of your like sort of realistic? Uh, mm. goals for the for the rest of the season like what, what do you think you, you at last day of the season where do you think you'll be the funny thing is if Manchester United win on Sunday 
you could say we're we're kind of still kind of in the early stage of that title race that everyone's talking about in the media. Now, what I would say from someone that watches Manchester United every week is a win on Sunday might paper over a few cracks, and then we'll fall at a hurdle. Then in a game that we we we're expecting to win in the coming weeks. Um, but look, win on Sunday. Chelsea have have an injury now to Lukaku, and you just don't know what happens. Liverpool's injury to Van Dijk last season. If something like that happened. You've no idea what, what's going to happen this season. I just think a lot of people are probably jumping on the kind of let's laugh at Solskjaer bandwagon and forgetting the good job that he that he has done at United. You know, we remember when Mourinho, when he left and the absolute state of the atmosphere in the dressing room, everyone hated each other. As a Manchester United fan, it was one of the first times in my life and I wasn't alone where... I, I felt no connection with my team. I hated the team. They were dropping the head in games and it was just, the atmosphere was just toxic. And then Solskjaer came in and he had to get rid of a lot of big names that were bad eggs. Uh, and in doing so, he, he's made Manchester United a much more appealing outfit. You know, the next manager that comes in, if, if, if he is replaced, will have a much better squad than what Solskjaer had. So, look, we'll see what happens this season. I'm, I'm certainly still hopeful of for a trophy for Solskjaer. I mean, just to bounce off of uh, Rick's question of what you've said there, Dale, I mean, you, you've talked about Solskjaer, you know, doing a good job again. This season was about seeing if he could do a great job. Mm. Um, and obviously, the, the thing is with Klopp is he didn't win sort of a major trophy until his fourth season. Now, Solskjaer's been there for three seasons, if you can sort of count that sort of first opening season where he joined um, in December, I believe. I mean, I feel like you've sort of already answered this question to a certain degree, but do you see him sort of following a similar trajectory or do you sort of more see him laying the groundwork for a future manager like a Klopp-esque manager to come in and win you those, those you know, those big trophies? On the base of what we're seeing now, I think you could make a very strong argument for Solskjaer has brought Manchester United so far and that it might be time for someone else to come in. I'm not saying that I've given up on, on him. Um, I'm certainly still behind him. But you, you just look at the bigger picture and when look at the end of this season and the questions we're going to have, we're going to really want an identity then, a style of play that these players deserve, you know, that they deserve. And you're not really seeing it right now. Klopp has a set way to play. Thomas Tuchel has a set way to play. Pep Guardiola has a set way to play. And everyone that watches these teams can identify that w- w- with these teams. But if you ask someone, what way do Manchester United play? So like it, it's like watching Squid Game on Netflix. They're kind of they're just hoping for the best, hoping for the best. <laughs> Harry, Harry Maguire before kickoff is literally hoping he doesn't fuck up because if he fucks up, then we're conceding. It's just it's actually crazy. You know, you look back to Kevin Keegan's Newcastle and and that was a bit crazy in attack on football. Manchester United are bonkers. They're bonkers to watch because like last night against Atlanta, the full time I was buzzing. Brilliant. Old Trafford looked like looked electric. And then the game against Leicester and 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 we just think the world's gonna end again. And it's been like that for five or six years. So I remember before Liverpool won their league tight, and we used to be laughing at you because it was always about this is our year. This is our year. That was a meme with Liverpool fans. I tell you, it's fucking hard going, it's tough. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, being on the opposite side of that is yeah, it, it is a tough every year, just sort of like. Uh, like you just got to grimace through it. See, the thing uh, is as well is a must start getting into writing books because I remember 
a couple of years ago, the Liverpool books were always the best sellers because it was, a bit, it was about fans that were reminiscing about the trophies they won before. But Manchester United are going to fit into that market pretty soon if we don't get our act together. No, and um, I suppose just to, just to top cap everything all off, uh, in the spirit of Manchester United's bonkers form, I mean, can you see that sort of continuing through on, onto Sunday? What what are your what are your thoughts on that game? What what, what can you see? Because I know in the the piece that you uh, the, you wrote, you, the questions uh, you answered for us, you, you're sort of thinking, you know, realistically, if you're looking from it from the outside, you're, you're probably thinking Liverpool are going to come in and and uh, make their mark on the game. But as you said, when you're physically at the game, adrenaline's mm. pumping. Then it's it's a completely different matter. Like it, coming off of that, you know, how are you feeling now? Yeah, well, I'm I'm in, I'm in the mo- I'm in the mode now. We're in the mood. Um, yesterday, I was thinking about Atlanta, and I was probably probably thinking more logically about this one. The Liverpool, they're a far better team. Um, but look. Old Trafford will will it make much of a difference? You'd like to think so. The singing section at Old Trafford is, is has been amazing this this season. The Red Army in there have made a, made a great atmosphere, and I, I'm expecting a real cauldron on Sunday, um, and the fans to hopefully be, be that 12 man. You know, I I actually never remember. I, I don't remember a game against Liverpool where before beforehand I thought they were going to lose. And I'm talking about recent years too, where Liverpool have been favourites. It's just, and I'm sure you can maybe recall similar when we were dominating that did you ever expect Liverpool to, to lose home or away probably not um and it, it's part of being a football fan is sometimes you sound fucking crazy you know you we laugh we laugh at pundits we sit back and laugh at pundits when they go on these rants and and they sound like lunatics okay and and then you think about it most of the time we're talking about football we're talking complete nonsense and probably stepping over the hypocritical stuff as well, because thinking back to, we used to laugh at Liverpool fans the whole time when they went so long without winning the league title and then they won it. And then we're, we're about eight, nine years now. And fuck, it comes back. It comes back to bite you. Yeah. I mean, I just, we, we're all like on this call. We're all in a very sort of fortunate situation to be supporting teams that do win quite a lot. Yeah. A lot, like, you know, there are, t- you know, we're, we're, I mean, that's the rest about, like, of them. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about nine years. I mean, there's like, you know, think of Spurs fans, really. What have they ever, I mean, they've had a Champions League final to celebrate. Cool. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's, let's make points in clear. I hope Newcastle never win a dime. Never mind a game, never win a dime. It's the last time they won something, it was the 60s or the 50s. And then long may that continue. I mean, yeah. speaking of Newcastle, I'd be very interested to get your opinion because I mean, here on uh, Red Nets, we've been sort of very uh, passionate, to say the least, about the subject. Um, and yeah, I'm just very curious to what your opinion is on this whole takeover business and I suppose what it means for, for clubs like Liverpool, like Manchester United, in, in a league that's becoming increasingly difficult at the top end. You see, where it sits wrong with me is... I know previous years people might have complained about Roman Abramovich at Chelsea, and but you actually think about it, I have no problem with, with with a wealthy bloke coming in and and investing in football if that's what he wishes to do with his money. That's not the actual problem here. The problem here is state-owned football clubs, um, and, and I, I remember prior to the takeover of the Glazers, 
Manchester United fans protested and issued several warnings to the Football Association and beyond about the damage this would do to the, to the, to the game. And we are seeing a repeat of that. We're being ignored. All the warnings that we have about the, the future of football with these greedy crooks coming into it and corrupt human, human rights abusing animals, um, it's not good for the game. And Newcastle fans lapping it up are fucking disgrace, really, because I remember United fans, the Glazers, no, it wasn't, it could be a cash injection, but we were looking at the bigger picture. Um, and a lot of United fans went off and started following FC United Manchester and best of luck to them, they're still doing it because they fell out of love with the way the game was going. And this is just a sorry state, really. And the next next thing for us is, I think we're all, we can all agree, is what's next? Like, how bad is it going to get? Uh, just to you know, to bring it back to you, you, you touched on uh, ownership there. Uh, the Glazers have have reportedly sold or are willing to sell a, a portion of their their shares in the club. Uh, the club obviously won't uh, receive any any money from that. Uh, but I mean, like, what do you? How do you feel about that? Because obviously, it's it's a slight reduction of their overall uh, you know stranglehold on the club, hmm. which is something that you've been you know. It's constant with them, okay? It, the dividends they take out every year, you're talking a total of something like 80-something million. They all get 11 million each out of it. Um, and and people will argue, business people might say, well, it is their business. They have, they have every right to take dividends out and so on. But they've done absolutely nothing for, for the community of Manchester and for the local United fans that have paid their hard-earned money to get season tickets every season. Um, they have frozen season ticket prices and that, but but this thing of them taking millions out and selling shares and then the club not seeing any of it, it's just the continuation of what we've seen since 2005. Um, they're leeches. They don't care about the football club. They just want to line their, their back pockets. And, and the scary thing about it is they've gone about their business since 2005. They've got away with it. They're still making money. Manchester United aren't winning. They're not winning league titles. They're not competing for it. They're not up there in the Champions League every in, in semi-finals every year on the cusp of winning it. They are miles away from that. But at the end of the day, the Glazers are still making savage money, savage money off the back of the club. And even as a fan, if I could, if I could just pull the plug on the money they were making for two years so they'd fuck off, and then it might result in some bad res- performance for us, I would. Because so many people are just being pushed out of the game as a result. And really good people that we all know, we all see that are other football clubs. And it's not good. Um, I mean, I think we should just sort of try and circle it back to uh, to the match at hand, really. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what uh, what are you sort of predicting will uh, will happen in the in the match this weekend? Is it, is it going to be a... I mean, obviously, it's going to be a just forms out the window like you've said mm. you know uh, how do you think you know how do you think United will, will line up how do you think uh, the, the match will go it's going to be a very cagey affair like usually as I was only saying to someone earlier on that my first milestone for the game on, on Sunday is to not concede in the first half and try keep Liverpool at bay as much as we can because this United team it, throughout, throughout the start of the campaign really it's been pretty much reliant on on individual brilliance and we've got a number of players that can provide that and first and foremost against Liverpool we must defend well we cannot defend like we did against Atalanta or else it could be a cricket scoreline um, on Sunday and we can't afford that and 
first and foremost, the manager can't afford that. If it's a cricket scoreline on at the weekend, he'll be under immense pressure again. Not only that, I think losing the game on Sunday to Liverpool will put Solskjaer under immense pressure when you look at the league table because I don't know how many points would be off the top. It, could, it, it might be eight if we lose at the weekend. And, and it's only been a start of the season. That's far too much of a climb in these early days when we started the campaign with a very convincing win over Leeds. And then all of a sudden, it just the mood just dropped. It was hard to kind of call this game. I, I, I don't think, I hope there won't be loads of goals because if there's loads of goals, I don't think Manchester United will be winning. I mean, if I could just press you uh, for a score prediction at this stage, mm. what would you, you know, when you're heart to hearts, what are you going for? Right, I'm going to say 2-1 United because we are going to concede. <laughs> We're going to concede, aren't we? Um, so what's your so... real prediction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, like I said, before these games, I'll always fancy United because it's always part of me that I, like, I'm watching a team every week. I know how good this team can be when they do turn on. I know they haven't shown it this season. But for instance, we're talking about individual brilliance. Ronaldo, he is a good day. Well, we could beat anyone in the world. You know, football's a funny old game sometimes. Ronaldo was on, has a really good day and Liverpool will be under pressure. And watching Liverpool bits of the games the other night against Atletico Madrid. Um, and and I, there was quite a few mistakes from Liverpool. There's quite a few mistakes in Liverpool. Um, I spotted Van Dijk make a mistake, and uh, like all, all it takes, Van Dijk doesn't make mistakes very often. But all it takes is that moment, and you have to take advantage of it. So hopefully on Sunday the ball drops to Ronaldo, Van Dijk slips on his backside, and Allison is in no man's land. That's what I'm hoping for at the weekend. Now you've you've got to in, in these sort of games you've got to back your own side and yeah judging by you know United's recent form certainly the game against Atletico Madrid for Liverpool it could be a goal scoring thriller of a game certainly we'll be back for that on Sunday Dale thank you for joining us uh, here on Rednet it's been a pleasure and uh, yeah we'll be hoping for an exciting test we know for the very least it will be a feisty one and uh, thank you again. Thanks. Welcome back again to the Red Nets podcast. Obviously, you never left. You heard Dale O'Donnell's view on our upcoming fixture against Manchester United on Sunday. He's going for a 2-1 win for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's man. We'll be going for something a lot different, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my, that's my prediction. <laughs> prediction. It, will, it will please Dale. It won't please me. Um, but speaking, of course, of United, I mean, if you're looking at sort of the recent history of our fixtures against United, uh, moving on from Mourinho and looking specifically at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign, we've got quite a good record at Old Trafford. Uh, I, I mean, I've got the stats right here for you. It, it's five out of nine points from our prior three visits to Old Trafford in the league. One win, two draws. I mean, that's a that's a pretty exceptional um, record, I'd say, at Old Trafford. I mean, I, I, I don't... Think I'm just trying to think back to, I mean, we, we, we've it tends to be a mixed bag, you know. I mean, we'll think back to that sort of magical sort of four goal victory over United under Benitez, but I mean, in recent times, courtesy of Klopp and courtesy certainly of how United find themselves in an era post Ferguson, that's a pretty good record, wouldn't you say, Rick? Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I think uh, I mean, there's a, Klopp has a bit of a reputation of struggling against Man United. 
But I mean, when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, well, it's not, it's not too bad, really. Um, the downside of that is that, you know, I mean, I think we can all agree that throughout United post Ferguson era, they haven't really been the team that we, you know, we knew. Uh, like they're not, they're not the side to be reckoned with like they used to be. And so, you know, really it should, I mean, with the exception of like, you know, that period, the, the Kenny sort of coming out of the Hicks and Gillette era, the Hodgson out, out of you know, post that period, um, you know, from Rogers onwards, really it should have been, if we're being honest with ourselves, it should have been we're winning every single time um, with with the exception of like, a, you know, a year here or there. But yeah, I, it's it's when you when you compare the, the teams, uh, I mean, I think this season is definitely the the, the season where the, the teams have looked the most comparable on paper um, in terms of high caliber but that being said, we've still got the the greater side. Um, in in the interview, we asked Dale about like you know finding Liverpool's chink in the armor, um, and you know when we were writing these questions up, uh, I sort of I, I I said like Joel Matip is probably you know out of this uh, out of like the, the starting eleven that we all sort of know is probably going to play you know that he's probably the chink in the armor but then again that's like saying the hole in the barrel of a tank is the chink in the armor for a tank so like, yeah it's, it's a giant hole in a tank but you know a giant missile gets projected out of it you know it's 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 not really a weakness there it's it's its greatest strength if anything apart from it being like you know the fortified metal on wheels um so it's like but then again you know like form goes out the window anything can happen the crowd gets on your back and you know you've made a simple mistake and oh no you've just let one in it's it's, you know it's i'm optimistic (laughs) like this is going all over the place but i'm optimistic about what's going to happen with us i mean like i think we've got a a very strong squad um you know i mean that yes they have ronaldo now but i mean you know we've got salah who is just on the form of like you know, he's he's the, we've got literally the best player in the world right now in this very moment in time, and long may that continue. Poor old Joel Mat- uh, Joel Matip didn't even get a get a mention. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he didn't, obviously, I'm for glad, yeah. the reasons we're discussing. But um, I mean, it, to give to give Dale, you know, full credit, he was very um, objective, yes. certainly about where the two sides sit, and full credit to him for that. You know, it, I mean, it can't be like we were saying in the discussion with Dale. You know, it, it, it's bizarre, certainly for him, and, and we we can feel for him there because we were sitting on that side of the fence prior to Klopp. We were sitting, you know, during the, the Alex Ferguson era where United were just dominant and Liverpool were oh so those, close those on last so many goals. occasions. Yes, every single time those last minute goals. Every time, good old Fergie time. Good old Fergie time. I mean, we've come close. We've come excruciatingly close to winning, you know, that that long-awaited Premier League title, both under Benitez, both under uh, Brendan Rodgers. We didn't quite get there. There was always something that came in the way, whether it was the famous fax speech, whether it was um, a collapse in the last three games of the season. Obviously, things have 
changed for the better. We've won a league title. We've won a Champions League. We've won more beyond that, you know, and we look probably set to win those kind of honours again in the near future, if not this season. Um, I mean, just looking at United's sort of form again to sort of go back to the United game, it's... they came under criticism for their home form. It seems that like they were a superior side away. But just looking at specifically their league form, it's it's quite interesting because it mirrors their away form. Two wins, one draw, one loss. You really do not know what to expect from this United side. It, I, I mean, if it was, again, we said this in the chat with Dale. We were looking at sort of Harry Maguire's performances and he, he dropped a couple of clangers against Leicester City, was poor against Atalanta. And you just think, you know, depending on what United side turn up, we could absolutely batter them off the pitch at Old Trafford. It could be embarrassing, but equally, as you've rightly pointed out, Rick, you know, form kind of goes out the window and it's every man for himself. I think we could turn this into a drinking game of form goes out the window. Every single time (laughs) I guess mentioned, form goes out the window. If anyone is keeping track, uh, form goes out the window. Bottoms up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But no, I, I, I... a spoiler alert, I don't think that um, Man United know what, who's going to turn up, like what, what's going to, like the Man United fans are, are in the dark about like what, uh, what is happening uh, on, a, on a week-to-week basis. I mean, the, the Atalanta match is a great sort of microcosm for United in terms of like Ronaldo. He's this bright spark and obviously they all want to feed into him. They all want to, like, because... He's just, you know, he is one of the best players on the planet. Obviously not the best because we've got Mo Salah. But um, I think that at this point that doesn't need to be Goes without saying, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) Almost. Bizarrely. But but at the same time, it's... um, You want to be... You want to be playing into him, but he doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, do the defensive side of his game very well for this United team. Um, Doesn't necessarily track back. He's, you know, he's, he's... He's very much a sort of like, I have my my job and I am only doing that job. Whereas if you look at Liverpool, the best thing you can say about what Jurgen Klopp has done for this Liverpool team is that like, you know, the number of times you've seen highlight clips of Mo Salah or Sadio Mane or someone like that getting back and defending deep, uh, just like from sprinting from one side of the pitch to the other, just to make a crunch tackle to then get right back up at the other end of the pitch. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it, it's it's night and day compared to what Man United is. No, absolutely. And it, it, that's that's the that's the mad thing, isn't it? Because it's, I mean, you get that, I don't know if you saw that post the other day, I think it was from Sky Sports, saying, oh, would Cristiano Ronaldo make it into Liverpool's front three? It's like, no, he absolutely would not. No. You get, uh, Jamie Carragher sort of came out saying, I wouldn't have Ronaldo in my team. And Guy Neville's sort of looking like, you know, come off it. We're talking one of the world's top two players. You wouldn't have him in that front three. But, as you've rightly pointed out, he doesn't have the work rate. No, he would he, not fit. In a Klopp team, Carragher is spot on. If we were like, you know, playing football manager or FIFA or whatever, and we're just looking at numbers and whatnot, then yeah, you'd find a way to put Ronaldo in. But in a real world scenario where Klopp is the manager of Liverpool, then no, you, you keep Ronaldo as far away. And, and you do the same with Messi, if I'm being honest. Like, you know, it's uh, like Messi is, you know, the best player to to grace the pitch. Um, and that's, you know, uh, that's going up with Pele and, and all these other greats of the game. But in this Jurgen Klopp side, 
and the the way that he's got everything well oiled, well drilled, even in years where we don't invest in the transfer market and we are relying on like players like mate, you need to go again for another year. Like I know you haven't really got it in you, but you need to go again. We need you need to find that energy to push on. All right, says James Milner, who's thirty five years old and like yeah. somehow still has the and still energy. going. But but you know what I mean. Like it's 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 the. <sighs> You, you try telling that to Messi or or Ronaldo, and it just doesn't happen. It, it just wouldn't work. I mean, it, it's it's what baffles me to an extent uh, beyond that re- ludicrous tweet. Uh, I, I think it was from Sky Sports. I, c- I could be wrong, and I apologise if I am. Um, but it, it's just farcical, and it's it's it, beyond that. It's farcical that it's taken this long for people to realise just how good Mo Salah is. Beyond commentators, specifically from Merseyside, it. it you just look like you've rightly pointed out, you know, he, and this, obviously this goes for Sadio Mane, this goes for Roberto Firmino, but looking specifically at Mo Salah, his ability to contribute to every single part of the game as Klopp would expect him to. We saw this against, I think it was Crystal Palace when Milner was deputising for Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Milner you know, was, I think, handled the threat of Zaha relatively well, but he had a lot of help from Mo mm. tracking back, coming in to support. Uh, it's what? How many players? do you find with that ability who are willing or, you know, at least have been coached in, in to, to being willing to, 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 to do that, to contribute to every facet of the game and not sort of go, I'm a numbers man. I'm going to get my goals and, you know, you can stuff it with your sort of well, <laughs> defensive I mean, contributions. It, I mean, to be fair, it, it, uh, it depends on what contract he's got. Because I mean, if you're uh, say, say it was like a, a, you get a bonus per goal um, or per assist or whatever, then if it's a ridiculous high value, which you would expect it to be because of the, the, the situation that he ended up at Man United, like, yeah, why wouldn't you stick up, stick up that end of the pitch? Why would you track back if, if, uh, if, if it's only going to be a detriment to your back pocket at the end of the day? Because that's the kind of player that Ronaldo is. I mean, there was that, that leaked phone call um, where it was just like, yeah, I've got Man United and Man City fighting over me. I don't really care where I go. I just, you know, I just want to be playing somewhere else. Like that's, he's not necessarily there to be playing for Man United. It's not like a, it's not the nostalgia kick that it is to their fans. He's a, he's, he's a player. He's a human being who's just looking out for his own, his own interests. And you know, if 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 his contract is as lucrative as we're led to believe, then yeah, what what incentive has he got to be getting back? That's it. It'd be bonkers, isn't it? You think, you think, say if I mean, it's it, never going to happen, but say if one of the likes of Coutinho or Suarez were being seriously considered, Klopp came and was like, actually, you know what, we can probably do something with this player. And, you know, then a leaked call came out and, you know, Suarez was going, oh, you know, I've got Liverpool and uh, Newcastle fighting over me, but you know what, I'll just take whoever whoever's most willing to offer me a good wage packet. You'd be a bit gutted. You'd be yeah. like, oh, well, I, I thought we meant a bit more to you, Louis. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's a different, it's a different ball game. I, I think and again, we touched on this in the chat with Dale. You know, Oligon Solskjaer has, has done a good job, sort of repairing the damage left from the Mourinho era. But it's a completely different ball game to the to the situation we have at Liverpool, where there is that sort of adoration for the manager, with this connection with the fans, the connection with the players. This is a group that genuinely. You know, they, they, they all like each other. They all get on. They're there for the same goal, for the same purpose. This is, what, you know, this is one of the most complete Liverpool sides that have ever existed. You know, if they mm. go on to win another 
league title, another Champions League title, which they could easily do before Con- uh, Klopp's contract expires. You would, you'd find it, you'd be very hard pressed to not go and go. You know what? This is this is this side is comparable, um, at least comparable to to the best sides put out by you know Bob Paisley. It, it, I mean, where, where do we? Where, where can this side go? Really? I I know. I mean, like. I, I, looking at it, I, I see a lot of similarities between uh, Ollie and Kenny in his second period as, as Liverpool manager. In terms of, he's a fan favourite. You know, he's got his his ex player who's he's got the fans on his side and will back him to the hilt. And and, and it, there's a you know, I mean, in, in Kenny's case, it was new owners, uh, but. But in both cases, there's a financial, you know, investment going into the side. You know, there, there is money to spend. Uh, you know, Kenny's case, he uh, he gets to, you know, put, uh, buy uh, Suarez and Andy Carroll. You know, all these cases, getting Cristiano Ronaldo and Cavani and all these, like, you know, top players. Um, and and you know, and they're both sort of do like end up really doing a sort of mediocre job if we're being honest with Kenny's second I mean I wanted Kenny to, to stick around uh, at least another season personally but like you know the way that the 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 ball you know ends up rolling and you know fate dictates that Brendan Rodgers comes in and we get that that I I would never give anything up for that that season uh that 13-14 season despite it not getting over the line it was you know I, I gained so much love for football in that one season uh, that I would never give it up, but you know, at the same time, you know, I, if it was possible to never give that season up and also see Kenny stay on for a season, uh, that's that's my ideal scenario. But that 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 just proves my point of like, you know, sometimes you've just got to kind of give up the you know all this sort of nostalgia and invested interest in a player that a manager that's an ex-player or whatever that that knows the club and all that. And sometimes you just got to go Zidane's available. Let's go get Zidane because like that, that manager will take us to another level. And that's, uh, I think that's what Man United need is, is someone who, I mean, the, the jokes about Ollie being a, a, a PE teacher at, at school, like, you know, it's, uh, you don't, you, you don't want that from a manager. You want a manager who commands, you know, a Simeone or like, you know, someone who like actually, has some sort of pedigree um because ollie i mean what's he got he's got like a few seasons in uh in the norwegian league cool <laughs> and cardiff city let's not Card- oh, cardiff city <laughs> cardiff city let's not forget that disastrous uh yeah, period well, 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 i'm sure united fans will not want to revisit that particular uh part of Solskjaer's history um but i mean i mean you're right to talk about nostalgia because i think i was with you especially after sort of kenny came in Got us the League Cup and an FA Cup final. We won the League Cup, didn't win the FA Cup. I think it was a 2-1 defeat to Chelsea with Andy Carroll grabbing the sole Liverpool goal. You know, I'd have happily taken him on. In fact, I was a little gutted uh, when they got rid of him. I thought, you know, this is a manager who's won us a cup, albeit it's a bit of a mm. bit of a Mickey Mouse cup, but it's a cup nonetheless. Um, it's a sign of improvement. But, you know, we went on, and as you say, I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that 30-14 season for the world um, as much as it sort of hurt uh, in more ways than one um, when we came sort of the end of it. But, I mean, looking back to the, the weekend before we get sort of too stuck in this sort of mire of nostalgia, we've got another tough, t- 
tough game against United. Again, you know, mixed form from United. It's not quite the United of old, but as we have said repeatedly, form goes out the window. So anything... Drink, drink, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, It's... It will be a tough game. It will be a battle of a game. Not too dissimilar to that sort of which we face against Atletico Madrid, albeit against comparatively weaker opposition. But this is Manchester United against Liverpool. Uh, the Traditionally, the biggest game in English football. One of the biggest games in world football. Um, and, I mean, what, what sort of are you expecting Klopp to sort of go with here? You know, because, I mean, we've got Curtis Jones was out, he returned to team training, couldn't make it for Atletico, sort of Klopp came and said, hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be back for Manchester United. We, we, we've seen Keita sort of struggle a bit, so I, I, I'd be personally surprised if he starts uh, Naby mm. against Manchester United, but what, what, what were you seeing for the game? I mean, I mean, obviously, Alisson, the defence picks itself. Fabinho, putting him in uh, defensive mid, because, you know, the, he worked at the, at the midweek game. And you know, uh, I, I, Kaita, like you said, I, I he because of the way that he was just completely played out of the game uh, midweek. I just, I, I can't see. I mean, Klopp is a very sort of, he's not very reactionary, but he is very reactionary. If that, it's a bit of a paradoxical. Uh, when he's ruthless, he's ruthless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, if you if you play well for him. Um, you know, even if it's a game that really it, you're not really suited to coming up, you'll still get picked over, like picked over anyone else because of the form that you're in. You know, there's been a few games now where, like, you know, I've looked at it and gone, maybe Oxley Chamberlain could be playing here because you know his his attributes actually would be quite useful in this kind of match. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, we got Curtis Jones playing there instead, and it's like, oh, okay, well, oh, and. Curtis has just scored a banger, you know, so I, I guess I'm wrong and Klopp sees something in it that I, you know, but th- there's, there's that many situations where um, Klopp will pick a player based on form. Uh, and I don't think Keita has been in the best form, even though he's, you know, scored that goal midweek. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, nine times out of 10, that doesn't go in the back of the net. And so like, uh, do we really want to be rewarding something when, uh, or something like that when when he's being played out of the game. I'll um, have a go at him though, isn't it? You sort of gone like oh, yeah, it's, it's 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 kind <laughs> yeah. of like telling a puppy off. You know, it's yeah. like oh, you're cute, and like you just did that, yeah. but you just took a shit in the corner. So I've got to punish you. But you <laughs> like you know, you just... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So um. Yeah, I'd um. Yeah, Jones maybe oh, I, I, depends on how well he does in training. Really, mm. um, I know that Klopp loves to reward form in training, and so you know it's one of those where you got to keep an eye on LFC TV and watch some of the the pre uh, pre match training and training sessions. And if he looks like he's doing all right, then yeah, sure, let's uh, let's get him into the fold. But um, yeah, uh, I can't see Kaita playing. If I'm being honest, Henderson is, is a pick. Um, Mane Salah, obviously, and then Jota over Firmino. I think uh, Jota's got, a, uh, although, <laughs> again, this is a bit sort of contradictory to what I've just said, but contentious. Although, I know, I'm just all over the place. Um, <laughs> although Firmino is, we're coming off of like a, a Premier League hat trick, um, 
it wasn't exactly a Premier League hat trick that was like, you know, oh, look at those. It's just, it was just tappings. Um, it was pre- very dirt count. Yes. Uh, sort of hat trick, wasn't it? it was- <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think uh, Jota would probably be a better uh, player to be, you know, against a Man United side that are going to be playing quite defensively. Um, you're not going to get many of those kind of tap-in scenarios. And if there is, then I will eat my hat. I will find a hat to eat. I'll grind it down and, and dissolve it into my food. But yeah, I think uh, Jota has more of a um, a striker's eye for this kind of a game. Um, and Because that, that's not Firmino's role, really. Firmino's role is to just sort of free up play the playing space for uh you know for Salah and Mane which I mean the the kind of getting uh Salah and Mane will be doing their thing anyway um and so I just, yeah Jota I think is 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 the the go-to choice for for up front it's interesting that because I mean for me I, I I was sort of feeling that the obviously the back line we've agreed picks itself and I, I thought, to an extent, the front line picked itself out. I, 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 would have, I mean, I've got here on my little, uh, my little board. I've gone for Bobby Firmino starting up front alongside uh, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, I think there's a certain justification for going with uh, Diogo Jota, and obviously the main one being is that um, United's back line is looking rather fragile at the moment. No Rafa Varane, Harry Maguire in absolute bits in the last two games. I mean, you're thinking if if this front three is vaguely, you know, up for it, it could be an absolute bloodbath. At, yeah, at Old Trafford. You, you know, you've got it, to punish them, and 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 I don't think Firmino is the kind of player to punish them. Like he'll get yeah. a goal maybe, but like I think Jota is more likely to punish them. It, it, it depends, isn't it? Because I think if you go from that perspective, you're going go on, stick stick on Jota. Let, let's go for mm. you know, <laughs> no mercy here. But uh, equally, you sort of have to go. Form goes out the window. Drink up, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you have to sort of think. Well, it, this is a game where if, if there's any game in you know the season, these United players will step up. This is the one. Equally, the same for Liverpool players. Uh, in that respect, then I mean, we, again, we've sort of seen Dale sort of talk about Harry Maguire, and he gave a very honest verdict on him. You know, he, he's a bit of a mixed bag. He can produce. A stellar performance, you know, that sort of earns him comparisons wrongly, in our view, with uh, Virgil van Dijk. And then he can put in, you know, a couple of absolute stinkers as he has done this past week. If that Hamid Maguire turns up on Sunday, United will be in pieces. It, but then again, if it's a sort of game, it's a sort of occasion that's going to inspire, you know, a, a, a more promising performance. Do you want to go with Bobby Firmino? It's it, it, a. Uh, it's a gamble almost from Klopp. He's, he's gambling on seeing a repeat of that sort of performance from Maguire. He's gambling on that sort of weakness in the back line sort of extending over to Sunday and not having that sort of knock-on effect of the occasion sort of influencing uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's players. So it's whether sort of he's confident that that sort of front line could expose United or whether he goes, I'm going to play it safe here with Firmino just in case they put in a decent performance. So what you're saying is Klopp is gambling on them maintaining their current form, and that form does not go out the window. Oh, oh! I mean, the whole <laughs> the, how the turns have tabled. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I mean, yes, obviously, form does go out the win the window. 
Again, I don't know how many of these we've done now. We must be on something ridiculous like nine or ten. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I think it, it is it is an occasion that does raise performances from individuals. We'll probably see that from Ronaldo. We'll probably see that from Salah. But then, you know, does Klopp go into this and sort of go, I'm going to go with Firmino. I'm going to go for that sort of interconnectivity, that link-up play, dragging defenders out of position. Um, or does he go for maximum effect and go, you know what, we're going to get goals here. We're going to get potentially a lot of goals here. Let's go for that forward line uh, with, with Jota. I I reckon he'll go with Firmino, but I think you're you're sticking with Jota here, aren't you? I mean, uh, what is the current um, goal difference? Like we're, we're we're on sixteen goal difference as of recording. Um, I mean, if we went for a bloodbath, I mean that definitely sort of if if it is as tight as as it currently is. Um, you know, if there's only uh, there's, I mean, yes, we're only eight games into the season. There's a long season ahead of us. But if we can pick up a, quite a few goals against United of all teams, then I mean that could be the difference between you know first, second, third, whatever. You know, I mean, like look how look how last season ended with like it going down to the last day. Uh, you can never guarantee anything with the Premier League. You know, uh, a f- couple of goals could be the say a difference between like a you know a couple of places. It's th- it's just that mad. You'd hope it isn't. You'd hope that Liverpool are absolutely walking it by the end of the season. But you know, if you can get those extra goals in, then I mean, why not? Yeah, Especially against the the top tier teams. Absolutely, I think Sunday is an opportunity to do that. You know, we do have to bear in mind. Going off the back of that Atletico game, we're not going to be facing a side of that calibre, but it's a game that's going to be as important to United and Solskjaer as much as it is to us. Um, so, so for me, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity, as you say, to get some goals. I, I just, I do, I do think Klopp will probably go for safety here and just bring on have Firmino. You know, keep keep Jota in reserve in case it's looking like the kind of game that we could use a bit of, you know, extra attacking. Uh, power, firepower. Uh, the midfield again, just to go back to it, it is going to be sort of the main sort of. Um, I suppose, I suppose, difficult one to predict beyond the, the two positions with Henderson and Fabinho. If if Jones is fit, I, I mean, he's. I, I think he starts. To be honest, isn't it? If not, I I, I could perceive it being Milner. I, yeah. I, I, the problem is, I, and I agree with you about Oxley Chamberlain. I think he's got the attributes to to have an absolutely, you know man of the match game against United but uh, he does need the run of games you know and if he'd coming off the back of three or four he'd started against Atletico I'd be like this is this is Oxlade's game but can't see I can't look beyond either one of Jones or Milner yeah whenever whenever Ox gets brought on it always seems to be like at the end of games really and he doesn't really have enough time to really affect the game um, and when he does um, it just it it doesn't look as though it's something that's sustainable for a prolonged period of time. It's always like a flash of brilliance, but it's not the Oxley Chamberlain that he was before. You know that massive uh, crucial li- ligament injury um, a few years back, and yeah, it's I yeah I'd, I'd love to see Ox play more of a side a, a, a more of a role in this team. But unfortunately, it just looks like he's going to get phased out. It's um, you know, it's it's the Divock Origi effect of you know just playing a, a role in minor games 
unless you know there's an absolute injury crisis which is unfortunate because you know you know the talent that is there um it's just unlocking it and i think there's just too many injuries lost too much pace he's just not the not the player that he, he used to be and even that was like a a reduced version of the player that he used to be at arsenal before all the injuries there uh and also he was you know being played out of out of his natural position at Arsenal most of the time. So, you know, it didn't really help his situation there either. But yeah, um, I mean, it's just, there's so many different permutations that you could take with the team, albeit we are still in the middle of a midfielder, not crisis, but like hardship, I'd say is the right kind of vibe, really. It's not, you know, we're not, going well how long how many days until january window opens up mm. it's not like it's not like last season's defensive crisis it, it, it's, um, it's impatience but, more than anxiety isn't exactly it? Like... exactly <coughs> you know, um yeah it, it, all it takes is uh harvey elliott's recovery to to, to speed up a little bit and we're, we're back to you know being all right for squad depth really but yeah going back to ox he's just he's a phenomenal player it's just a shame that he's not is uh, is a bit of a shell of the the the, the man he, he used to be, unfortunately. No, it, it's it's. Uh, I, mean, I I find it personally quite upsetting because, as you said, we know there's a quality player in there, and obviously that injury in that champ, you know, at Roma, I believe it was in, in that uh, that season. I think it, it was the yeah, it was the season we didn't win the Champions League, wasn't it? <laughs> but we just had you know that unbelievable goal against uh, Manchester City. Then the injury came in Roma, and you just sort of know, oh dear, this is this is going to be a painful one. This is going to be one that's probably going to set him back a you know, while. It's, and- I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, like Lana as well. It's the same. It's it's the same situation playing out. It's like you get a major injury, come back, and it's just you've lost something. And it's mm. it's and no matter how many times you try and draw in that, I mean, the, you still get those flashes of brilliance. I mean, like again, Lana against United. Um, you know, getting that goal uh, to 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 salvage the salvage the game. You know, it's not it's not the Lalana that we knew. It's not you know, it's not the Ox that we know. It's 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 a yeah, like I said, it's it's a bit sad and depressing, really, when you think about it. But yeah, that's football, really. No, it is, and you can't really see a way out of it. Either. Yeah, as as soon as Harvey Elliott comes back, you're thinking you know, he's got to get past. You know, that trio sort of Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, then you've got Curtis Jones coming up, you've got Harvey Elliott who's been performing well, Naby Keita. You're looking at six midfielders there before you even really get a chance. So you're, 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 you're not, you're not, I mean, Ox won't be praying for an injury crisis, but, you know, you've got to be hoping for one almost to even get the, the vaguest of, of like nods from Klopp. Um, but I think we can probably safely rule them out for that starting 11. But just to cap it all off, uh, Rick, I'm going to go to you first for the score prediction. Oh. I mean, I you're mean, my only option. If you were going to go to me. <laughs> I mean, you're my only option here, but you're a fantastic Steve, what's your, what's your prediction? <laughs> no, um, I'm going to go with a 3-1. There will be a... I think we might concede a, a goal to Ronaldo, something for the headlines of like that flash of brilliance of, oh, yeah, he is like... You know, he's Ronaldo. He's the, one of the top. He's the goat. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll be like you know. I, I think Maguire will struggle because you know he's shell shocked. 
um, I think you know. It, it will, I think we've got enough firepower in that front three to really just no matter which, if even if we go with Firmino, I think there's there's still plenty of firepower there to get quite a few goals. I'd love to see it be an absolute bloodbath. I'd love nothing more than to see a cricket score five, six, whatever, because it could like as soon as you get like three, that's it. The the you know the floodgates are the, open. The gates have opened, and, yeah, and 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 then you can just run away with it. Um, but it's getting to that point. And I think that, yeah, it's, I, th- I think there are moments of, of brilliance to be had in that United side. I don't want to see them happen, but you know, it's, it's always, it's always a, an option. Yeah. So yeah. So three, one, I think that's, I think that's fairly, fairly fair, but you know, Form is, uh, you know, often goes oh, out is, the window, is he gonna, so. oh, he's done it again. He's done it again. So who knows? <laughs> no, I, I think you're going to be very glad, Rick. You're not going to believe this, but uh, I've also gone for a three-one victory to Liverpool at Old Trafford. Um, it, uh, it's interesting. We, we, we're both quite confident going into this. I mean, not not for the wrong reasons either. I think Liverpool are enjoying a, very much of an informed season. We've got Mohamed Salah, who's rightly being adjudged to be currently on, on current form the world's best player if I mean as we say if the Maguire of the last two games turns up it could be an absolute blood bath one to forget for United fans and hopefully one that uh, Dale won't witness in person um, but that's all we have time for today we'll be hoping to see our predictions hopefully come true on Sunday uh, Rick thank you for joining us again today for yet another episode of the Red Nets podcast That's all for today and take care.